Today's episode of The Catch-Up discusses issues surrounding mental health. If this story is triggering, please contact Lifeline at 13 11 14. As you drive along Kangaroo Point's main street, there is a lot going on. It's a busy area in Brisbane. Traffic is always packed at the beginning and at the end of working days. On Friday and Saturday night, nightclub goers head to Kangaroo Point's Macca's and KFC for a late night feed. And whenever there is a footy game or a concert held at the Gabba, the streets at Kangaroo Point are always filled with people as the stadium is only a 10 minute walk away. Hi, I'm Demi Lynch, host of the Nasty Woman Club's The Catch-Up, your weekly deep dive on news and issues in the world of intersectional feminism. You're probably wondering why I'm telling you all this information about Kangaroo Point. Well, I'm trying to set you all a scene of a busy, well-known area in Brisbane, but this area has a secret, a secret many Brisbane residents are only finding out just now. 120 men are currently detained at Kangaroo Point Central Hotel in Brisbane. And they have been there for over a year. Imagine that. Imagine being locked up in a room for over a year. Imagine not being able to go outside and do the simple things many of us take for granted, such as exercising, seeing our friends, going to the shops, even going to work. These men are refugees seeking asylum in Australia, yet they have all been imprisoned like criminals. We are in cage and it's natural if you put a you know, healthy person in, in a cage for, for a long time and that person will get mental problems as well. I actually was healthy when they took me to offshore detention, but they destroyed my life. Freedom is our right. We have not committed any crime, only six asylum. We haven't committed any crime, and that's why they should release all of us. And it's not fair after seven years being in detention. That is Kazem Kazani. He fled his country, Iran, as it was no longer safe for him there. He has now been in detention for seven years of his life. Thirteen months of those have been at the Kangaroo Point Central Hotel. All Kazim wants to do is to be a part of the community in Brisbane. But the government refuses to free Kazim and the other refugees trapped in their rooms 24-7. I don't have any family here. My family, they are back in my country, country of my origin, Iran. And I have no family here. Only myself, but, uh, but I have lots of friends in, in Brisbane. You know, I, I'd like to be uh, in Brisbane in future because I have lots of friends here. I'm actually a musician. Yeah, I have many musician friends here, uh, local musicians. Um, I have no problem with that. I have lots of support out of that place. Problem is the government they're not gonna release us and uh, recently the you know, the reason that they not gonna let us go and uh, cause of COVID nineteen. Like many others, since arriving at Kangaroo Point Central Hotel over a year ago, Kazim's mental health and physical health has deteriorated. The food he's forced to eat is not edible. 
and he has a numbness in his leg that just won't go away. Kazim struggles to sleep, so he takes sleeping tablets, but he has to take his medication between 6pm and 8pm. Because he is forced to take it so early at night, he ends up waking up around 3am in the morning. He hates that because at 3am, there's nothing to do. He's trapped in his room with no one to talk to. We get two meals a day, lunch and dinner. Uh, most of the time, you know, the food is really uneatable. It's hard to eat it. Uh, you know, unhealthy food. Uh, we are in a bad condition. Uh, the food is uh, like, I think, poison for us. I have a numbness the left leg. I have that numbness since 2017. Yeah, recently it got worse. The government, they don't care about you. You know, there are lots of people here. They need uh, proper treatment. Uh, but they don't take them anywhere. Authorities aren't telling Kazem and the other refugees anything. They don't know how long they're trapped in their rooms for, and they don't know where they'll go after their stay in Brisbane. Right now, Kazem is most stressed about losing his phone, as authorities have threatened to confiscate everyone's phones. Recently, the government, they are seeking a bill, you know, to confiscate uh, phones from, you know, detainees. Yeah, they're gonna, you know, take the phone away from us. They are seeking for that at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, because why? Because no, I can't talk to you. Yeah, I can't talk to you and express my feeling. Yeah, speak out about the problems here, uh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's why they gonna take the phone away from all of us. Not only at Congo Point, everywhere. Oh my God. All the detention in Australia. It's really important to have that phone. I need to talk to my family. And I must talk to them. And it's so important. It's not fair to take the phone away from us. That was Kazem Kazami. In a moment, I'll be looking at the 24-7 blockade happening outside the Kangaroo Point Central Hotel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For many months now, activists have taken to the streets in protest of the detainment of the refugees at Kangaroo Point Central Hotel. The Refugee Solidarity Brisbane Mianjin Group and the Refugee Action Collective Queensland are demanding the refugees have free movement outside the hotel, all involuntary transfers to detention centres be stopped, and the entire 120 refugees be fully released into the community. But months earlier, barely anyone knew these men were even here. So how did people finally find out Brisbane's worst-kept secret? I spoke with photojournalists Kasun Yabayasari and Ari Balbonis, who have been following the Kangaroo Point protests for months. 
the, the protest started end of March, uh, early April. But what had happened was there were already asylum seekers and refugees at the Kangaroo Point Hotel. Um, and then they moved a few more earlier in the year. So by March, when COVID sort of started escalating, there were about 120 people inside the hotel. So the problem with, with that is, there is they have two shifts of security coming in and circa coming in every day. So there's essentially about another 90 people that go in and out of that building that possibly could infect people inside. So once you're inside the building, as far as the asylum seeker refugees are concerned, they couldn't social distance. They had very little opportunity to. So if it spread in there, they were all going to get it. And that was their fear. And these were people who had been medevaced here or, or brought here under the medevac bills. So some of them had underlying health issues. Others had family with underlying health issues. That's why they had been brought. So, so this was a powder cake for them. And they were really, you know, um, concerned about their well-being. So what they did was they started standing on the balcony. Some of them had a balcony that was available to them. So they stood on the balcony with signs, you know, essentially trying to get people interested in their plight, which then resulted in a whole uh, small number of refugees, activists coming to Kangaroo Point and standing out there in solidarity. Now, you, what you must remember is at that point, we were in the middle of a pandemic, the there was very big social distancing limitations on what you could do. So there was started with a few people and then they started to incorporate a very cheeky kind of, you know, exercise routine because you couldn't stand out on the street without a legitimate reason. Mm -hmm. So they started walking around. So that's, that's where it all started. And that's escalated into the blockade and what you see now. So they were walking around the block. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're walking around the block and doing exercises. Oh, that's uh, in, clever. Oh. Yeah, so, so it, it was every, it started as a, uh, as a every Friday event. And um, I think it's now uh, about, so, so that has been going on for a little bit over a hundred days now. Mm -hmm. So that initial protest, but the, then the ones the, the, the COVID restrictions eased and um, there was fear that some of the asylum seekers might be moved to higher detention higher security detention centers, the activists started the blockade, which was essentially trying to stop people being removed from uh, the Kangaroo Point to the Brisbane detention center near the airport. Mm -hmm. so, um, so because of that, now the blockade, what you see as the big protest and the blockade with the 24 seven, someone around the gates, that's been going on for about 45 days now. When did you guys first hear about this? Because I'm a Brisbane resident and I only heard about this probably when the blockade start, which was, like you said, 45 days ago. But yet they've been protesting this for months and many of these men have been here for over a year. Yet many of us are just finding out about this now, even though this is like just near our homes. When did you both hear about this? For me, I first heard about it through a small article that was published. Was it the Korea Mail or? No, there was, there was a, there was a, Stefan did an article. Uh, Even piece. before that. Was it? Yeah, so yeah. there was a small article that was published in a Brisbane rag, uh, just speaking about these men in detention, but it had nothing to do with uh, the pandemic or the risk of COVID. And then it wasn't until I got back to Brisbane and then you messaged me one day and you said, hey, um, there's these uh, refugees that are locked up in a Kangaroo Point hotel. 
and you can literally go to the street and you can see them. It's a bit of an um, interesting situation going on down there. And I feel like I should, you were saying, I feel like I should go down um, just to see what's going on. And if you feel comfortable, do you want to join me? And so that's kind of how I got involved in the project, just from that initial conversation. So we, we, we went in there, I think my first week was, I think very like first or second of April uh -huh. was when I first went there. And Ari was like only a couple of days after that. We, we started going every Friday. And, um, but you, you, you're absolutely right. This is the thing. So this is in the heart of Brisbane. Mm. There is this hotel, there's this motel on a busy street and very few people knew about what was happening there. And, and I think that's, that is the eye opener and people are at least beginning to question. It's not whether you support it or you're against it. It's about knowing what's happening in our city and it's what's happening in what us knowing what our governments are doing and having an informed opinion about it, right? So the, the very idea that this was there without most of us not knowing it was there, um, it says how disconnected we are with what's happening on the one hand and how kind of, you know, under, I wouldn't say sinister, but it's a bit, you know, low key and, and trying, flying under the radar these things are. Uh, and how, to, how out of mind it is for most of us. And I think that's the, that's the real story. That's the real danger for all of us. There's that whole disconnect that you speak about. Mm. And then the fact that it's happening in our backyard mm. as well, because we all know the plight of the refugee and we've all heard about Christmas Island, Nauru and Manus, but then to actually have it here in Brisbane, it just adds this whole element. What is this? So one of the activists um, at the blockade said something really interesting few days ago that these men have been at Kangaroo Point for about a year, as you said, you know, they've been at that, some of them have been in that building for about a year or so. And yet they haven't seen the cliffs, which is literally up the road. The mm. other end of the road is the Kangaroo Point cliffs and the beautiful vista of Brisbane. They haven't seen that. And they are standing on a balcony day after day, watching the world go past and they can't be part of it. And some of these people, let's not forget, they have been um, identified as refugees. They've been, they've been classified as refugees because they've been on Manus and Nauru and they've, they've, under the refugee conventions, they are categorized as refugees. So the others are waiting, you know, classifications or, or you know, uh, and so the, the, the fact that, you know, forget all of the politics around it, we are going stir crazy because we've been asked to stay at home for a couple of weeks. And these guys are locked in a, in a hotel where they see this whole world go past them and not to be, at least be able to get out onto the, the grounds, the, the road. That's, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that must be for them. In the coming days, the protesters at Kangaroo Point are planning a mass sit-in at the Kangaroo Point's Story Bridge. The activists are calling for authorities to allow the trapped men the ability to move outside the compound at their own discretion, to exercise, walk, and finally connect with the community. Why a mass sit-in? Well, according to the Refugee Solidarity Brisbane Mianjin Group, they have tried everything to get authorities' attention. They have tried petitions, letters, and marches, but still no one has listened to them. They are trying to get the government's attention. Due to COVID-19, however, 
Police are concerned mass gatherings will spread the virus. So what have the activists been doing these past several months to protect themselves and others from the virus while they've been protesting at Kangaroo Point? So the, the protest rallies have always been with masks and the, the organisers have been very um, diligent with that. So they, they, they go around giving people masks and walking around with hand sanitizer. That's always been every kind of big protest, like mm -hmm. the weekend protests. But on um, like the day-to-day -day stuff, the blockade, uh, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, people are a little bit more relaxed, but now they're back on the masks. I think it's the, the kind of fear of escalating things in uh, Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And they're really promoting it to everyone else. Yeah, they're promoting, they've, they've always promoted that. Because I, I suppose that's where the protest started. The protest started with uh, the refugees, uh, the asylum seekers and refugees inside saying that they, didn't, they couldn't social distance. So, so the oh. protest itself has those roots in it. Mm -hmm. so, so the organisers then once they started getting into the, the outside protests were quite aware of it and kind of mindful of it, I guess. The photojournalists Kasun Yubagyasari and Ari Barbonis are currently working on a project called KP120. It's a multimedia exhibition to humanise refugees and public protests. So you two are both putting together this um, exhibition called KP120. Did you want to tell the listeners more about what you guys are putting together? Yeah, so KP120 is a multidisciplinary exhibition looking at the relationships formed between 120 refugees and the protesters and demonstrators on the other side of the fence. So we've been photographing uh, both the men on the balcony, interviewing them, doing interviews with the protesters. And now we're also doing a uh, portrait series on, uh, on 120 uh, demonstrators there to sort of signify sort of the 120 men in there and seeing how it is on both sides. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're two groups of people that have been kind of thrown together, right, you know, in, in many ways through circumstances. And, um, and again, like, like you said, you know, being, being on the outside and watching that over the last few months, you see those relationships built across that, that fence, the border. The, it's a border, essentially, right? It's, a, it's an old-fashioned border that you can't cross. The activists can't cross onto that side. The refugees can't cross onto the road side. So, so it's sort of a relationship across a, a border. And that's sort of what we're trying to, to portray. Um, so then we've done um, uh, ex uh, photographs that are more uh, what you would call photojournalism, documentary photography kind of stuff. So active images of, you know, protests and people talking and, you know, doing things. So uh, action shots, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then we've tried to do a series of portraits of well, the refugees, which is a harder part because they're kind of far away. Mm. Um, and um, the activists, which is the 120 that I was talking about. And, um, and what, we, what we're now trying to do is we're trying to collect money to print those. And we want to take each print to each activist and get them to write on it. So that, again, becomes that connection. Again, ask those questions. Things like, why are you here? Why is this important to you? you know, because some of, some of these people are 
out there day in, day out, and it's really cold at night. Two in the morning, they're snuggled in up behind under dunas and they're there. So we're curious to know what that relationship is and what it means to them. So that's what we're trying to do. To help Ari and Kasun on their mission to get this exhibition underway, you can head to their Facebook page, KP120 Portrait of Protest. The links will be in today's show notes. They are over a quarter of the way to their goal, so every dollar helps. It's a very important exhibition and an important project that will help raise awareness of this serious human rights issue. Watch this space also, as the two men are also hoping to put together a podcast about the detainment of the refugees at Kangaroo Point. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Nasty Woman Club, The Catch-Up. For more information on the mass sit-in protest and the Refugee Solidarity Brisbane Mianjin group, head to the link in today's show notes. There is also links to the KP120 fundraiser where you can help Ari and Kasun raise money for their exhibition. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. This is a small podcast and a small media platform, so every review helps. For more information on stories and issues in the world of intersectional feminism, head to thenastywomanclub.com and visit us on our Facebook and Instagram pages. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I'll be in your ears on Friday. I'll be interviewing an inspiring person with an inspiring story.